awesome privilege. We have Pastor Phil McNeil with us. And uh, when, I, when April and I first got married, we were living in Lima, and we were trying to decide where we wanted to go to church. I had been leading worship at another church right before we got married, and that, that appointment ended. We were trying to figure out what we were going to do. We ended up coming back here, but we weren't sure what we were going to do. So I was talking to my dad, and I asked him what he thought we should do, and he said, if I was within driving distance of Phil McNeil's church, I would go there. He said, if I, was, if I left Warsaw and needed to go to a church where I wanted to be pastored, I would go to Phil McNeil's church. He thought so highly of him. Um, and then I've seen Phil McNeil uh, minister prophetically and teach on prophetic ministry a number of times over the years, so I invited him here this morning to do that. Would you guys welcome Pastor Phil and his wife, Cheryl? Wow, that's humbling. Now I'm going to have to buy Chris Lonneville coffee at Tim Hortons. Not Starbucks, not Starbucks, but at Tim Hortons, you know. Hallelujah. Well, it's an honor for me to be here this morning. Uh, I said to my wife, and I, uh, I said, I feel like I'm coming home. You got to understand. You know, I go a lot of places. Uh, not all that, but I go a few places. Walking in here this morning because of all the history of this place, I feel like I'm coming home. When I was a student at Elon Bible Institute, one of my first prophetic words I gave was right there. And this building was not air-conditioned. It was a warm Sunday morning, let me tell you. And back in those days, you wore wool suits, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you kept those babies on no matter what, because if you, you weren't saved, you didn't keep that suit on. You know what I mean? And I remember being here. The carpet was blue and the windows were open, but they could have been open from here to eternity. It was just hot in here. And I uh, went down to the altar call, and uh, a man came up and uh, had a suit on, and I remember a little American flag, and the Lord just pounded on me. This is the word for this man. And so this is home for me. I feel like I have a word for the church. Hallelujah. Let's just come before the Lord a little bit. For I have put generational wells in this place. And I'm not just talking wells of family on a natural level which is all good. I'm talking wells of my spirit. And they are deep wells. And they are wells that have not been capped. They are wells that are open and are pouring forth. And in the years to come, they will increase even more. For I have called this place to be a place of the Holy Spirit. I have called this place to be a river, not even in a dry land, although there's dryness, but a river in a place even where there seems to be life. I have a life that this world cannot give. So I come to you today and I say to you, I am for you, not against you. And I'm going to cause those wells to bring forth revival and renewal. It will be even in times where there is dryness in the land, there will be a fresh move of my Holy Spirit in this place. Do not, and I don't really feel this is anything that you need to take the wrong way, but it's, it's a word to you, and you're not doing this, but do not quench the Spirit. Do not hold back on the Holy Spirit but push into it because I am going to do a work in your day that you would not even have believed if I told you. For I am not a man that I should lie, and I come to you this day, and I say, get ready for increase. Stretch out the tent pegs. 
get ready for increase because increase is here already and you don't even know it. And it's coming even more in the years to come. For I have laid wells, I have laid a foundation, and I will cause the Holy Spirit to do signs and wonders. And there shall be a release of renewal and revival for this very area, this whole area. I have, don't, don't even, I have planted you in this area for a purpose. And it's not just for that generation or that generation. It's for this generation and the generations to come. For my hand is with you to see my spirit poured out even more in this area. But it's not even about being poured out. There's a well to draw upon. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Is Jonathan still in here? Jonathan, I heard a word for you very strongly. Do not grow weary in doing good. <laughs> for in due season you have already, but you shall reap a harvest. Listen to me, my son. This was not your idea. And even though at times you've wondered what I could have, should have, what if, what if, what if, oh, what about that, and this and this and that, I'm telling you this was my idea. And I'm going to cause you to increase, not just in this area, in this town, but in this area, in this region, because my hand is upon your life. And you have labored. You have labored in a way in the natural, but you have also labored in your heart. But I come to you and I say, be at rest. There's a scripture. I, I think it's Exodus 33, 14. Don't quote me on that, but it's a scripture. It says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's the word. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But I'm also bringing you to a season of choices and it's not that this is a, a, a thing of, 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 uh, of a challenge or rebuke, or, but there's choices coming for your life. And you've made them all and you've paid the price. But the Lord comes and says there's choices coming where things will have to be let go of and other things will be embraced. And it's going to be good because for me to bring you into what I have to bring you into, there has to be uh, a narrowing of some things. And don't, don't worry about the narrowing. I'm going to help you do it. Because for what I have for you, I'm going to bring you into a place of narrowing, but then I'm going to bring you into a broad, open field. And I'm going to cause leaders to come alongside even more, even more to help in what you have put your heart to do. But I come to you, my son, today, and I say, I see you, and I say to you, don't grow weary in doing good. I'm with you, and I'm going to strengthen you and enable you and bring you into a good field and give you a good harvest. Your labor, listen to this, has not been in vain. It's not just a labor in the natural, although that's who you are. It's a labor of holding on to God, believing for the promises. But I come to you and I say my promises are yea and amen. Amen. April, um, uh, I heard a, a real word for you. As a mom, and you're more than that, my goodness, I could listen to you lead worship all day long. You're so anointed. But as a mom, the Lord comes and says, everything that you have invested, I will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For you have made the hard choices at times, and you have poured into that which is most valuable. And do not be concerned about their generation or what they're going to do. I'm telling you, what you have sown into them will bring fruit. 
And you would say at times, well, I could have done this better or that better. And the Lord comes and says, you did it well. And he says, his grace is sufficient. And he will shore up anything that you feel that maybe you could have done better. And listen to this. You know more than you think you know. You know more than you think you know. You know more than you think you know. You know that which brings life. And you know that which brings law and legalism and death. You know more than you think you know. And at the end of the day, what you have sown in principle shall be reaped in joy. And the Lord comes and says, I will do the work that's on your heart. I will perform the work that's on your heart. And even those things that you've wondered, Lord, I put the seed into the ground. Will it come up and bear fruit? I come to you and I say, that which you have sown will bear fruit and fruit that will remain. Know that I see you. I've been studying a lot on Hagar when uh, the Lord came. She said, the Lord has seen me and, uh, and the Lord has sees. The Lord sees. And the Lord sees. And do not worry. He knows where you are. He knows what he's doing in your life. He knows where he's brought you. And he says to you, those things that you have sown will be a harvest. The hand of the Lord has been with you. Even, even more than you've known, the hand of the Lord has led you and guided you. So be encouraged. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This young man here, or sorry, this person here, sorry. Um, the Lord just comes and says, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Be encouraged. The grace of the Lord is upon you. And he will help you to figure everything out. And he has grace for you that is so amazing, so abundant, so strong. And he will bring you into all that he has for you. Amen. Amen. Amen? Is God good? Some of the time? All the time. Hallelujah. Uh, playing piano there. I'm sorry, because it seems like, you know, um, you know <laughs> I just hear a missions call on your life. Now, that missions call can take all sorts of things, all sorts of avenues, all sorts of things in your life. And the Lord comes and says to you, I have put my hand on your life for the nations and for the poor. And I'm going to help you to find your way. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And I come to you and I say, I have plans for you to bring you into all that I have for you. And you did not choose me, <laughs> but I have chosen you. Now, that's a promise and a threat, let me tell you right there. And appointed you for go bearing fruit and going forth and bearing fruit. And there will, be, there will be at times a little bit of a struggle, but the Lord comes and says, I will hold you fast. I remember when I was a young man, uh, well, when the year I graduated from, uh, from Elam, and uh, Stanley Hammond prophesied over me. And uh, he said to me in the prophetic word, he said, uh, and this is not you, but don't take it the wrong way. But you have kicked against the pricks and wondered what it's all about. But I have held you fast. And at times I have gripped you, and you have wondered what it was all about. And you're, you, there's not a lot of resistance, but God says, I'm going to grip you and bring you into the purposes that I have for your life. Know that my hand is with you and not against you. And I, I will give, listen, he comes to you and he says, I will give you only good all the days of your life. You know, um, 
when I was a young man, I, I thought, you know, God won't give me good, so I got to go out and get good. And I have found, like these songs this morning, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And the Lord comes and says his goodness is for you. His goodness is for you. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What that means is the goodness of God chases after you. And that's what that song's talking about. Surely goodness and mercy will run me down. God's going to run you down with his goodness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, buddy in the green shirt, how you doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, what is this guy doing? There's a good spirit in you. And God's going to give you favor. You know what the Bible, uh, what someone has once said, they, they've said, favor is not fair. But favor is favor. But because of the good nature within you, God is going to bless your life. And you're going to have opportunities to do things that you never even dreamed of. I see you working in, a, in something that's going to give you opportunities to have influence in different areas, different countries, different nations. The hand of the Lord is going to be upon you with favor to promote you. The Bible says the promotion comes from the Lord. Amen? And so the Lord's going to promote you and give you opportunity as you keep a good heart, a good servant nature. And, but, not, you know, some people think if you're a servant, you know, that you don't have any strength. You will have strength. And you will know what you believe. And the Lord comes and says, I'm going to cause you to have such strong convictions that people will be surprised how well you know the word and how well you know what is true and how well you know what is fact, not fiction. And so the Lord comes to you and he says, I'm going to bless you because of the heart and the nature that says, I want to do what's right. I want, and here's the other thing. God is not going to cause you not to have fun. God is fun. I've been, listen, I used to sing a song, this is the great adventure. Saddle up your horses, we got a trail to blaze. To the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace, let's follow our leader into the glorious unknown. This is life like no other. Oh, 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 this is the great adventure. God's going to give you a great adventure. Hallelujah. There's a pliableness and a strength in you, and God's going to give you opportunity because of the pliableness and the strength. Be encouraged. Hallelujah. Well, I want to show you something. Uh, next slide, I think, is my family. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. My gosh, I almost have the same outfit on today in that picture. This is, uh, I say, four weddings, then my funeral. And uh, in my, and it's just a joke. I'm not planning on dying anytime soon here. <laughs> Take deep breaths. Uh, and um, they call me the Dean of Women at my house because that's all I do. Uh, real quick, my, this one here, this is my Liz, strong pastoral. I hope this doesn't freak anybody out. Apostolic call in her life. She's a leader. She's at NYU right now getting a PhD in public health. I think we need good, strong believers in the public health field. Anybody heard the last three years? What's been going on? There's been stuff going on, right? And uh, strong girl. Love, all four of my girls are serving the Lord. This is Becca Boo. 
This is my, my little prophet, Becca, it, from the day she was born, has been my strength. Uh, you know, things are very black and white with Becca. And she's a nurse at uh, Galosano. She just got accepted at NYU for a master's in public health and nursing education. She wants to go work with UNICEF. What do you think? Think UNICEF needs some strong believers in it? She wants to touch the nations. She's, her, she's my missionary. She's so cool. I don't know how I got such cool kids. This is my artistic one. Katie has a bachelor's in music, leads worship. She's a wedding photographer and makes more than 90% of the people in this room, including her father. She hates it when I say that. Cheryl's looking at me. Don't say that about her. But she loves the Lord. Very good worship leader. And this is my Lauren. She's in her last year at RIT in mechanical engineering. She's out working on fighter jets right now out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. They're all crazy. <laughs> crazy, I tell you. But, and they don't always agree with me now. Like I'm saying, excuse me, get back in your crib. <laughs> they have opinions different than mine. That's very frustrating. I've learned, I tell you, the last few years I've had to learn, let it go, <laughs> let it go. And, and my tongue is chewed up because I just want to say some things. But here's what's cool. They have, they have their own faith, and it's solid. And uh, I have no regrets. Years ago, the Lord spoke to me, you can save the world and lose your family. So I've stayed close to home and stayed close to my church and uh, where I've been for 29 years. And, uh, you know, I was home most nights, made sure I spent time with them. Um, I, I have a den that they come to, uh, and uh, Cheryl literally it sometimes would set the timer. Because they come in for 20 minutes and want to talk to me, and then the next one want to talk to me, and then the next one want to talk to me, and then the next one want to talk to me. I need prayer. <laughs> I need some counseling myself. Raising four daughters, just pray for me. <laughs> I'm having fun. Don't take me too serious, okay? I want my wife just to come bring a, a, a greeting to you. Give her a warm welcome, amen? Good morning. It's great to be here today. Thank you so much for having us. In um, my early 20s, I used to care for April before services when her parents led worship at two different services at Elam Gospel Church. So I would go and take care of her and her siblings and braid that beautiful red hair and get her all ready for service. So it's a pleasure to be here and to see how well she's doing now and to see her daughters and her family. And Jonathan, thank you for taking care of April. <laughs> Little April. So... I just, the Lord has been impressing on me lately the value of wisdom. And, you know, the book of James says that if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask and he will receive generously without fault. Meaning, you can't ask a stupid question, right? Because we shouldn't know everything. We shouldn't act like we know everything. It's good to be humble and to seek the Lord for wisdom. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And in fact, in the Bible it says, Solomon said, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. 
Do you remember that video that was going around for a while that this little toddler said to her mommy, I just a baby, like, you know, and like the mom was trying to correct this little kid and she came out with this, I just a baby. And sometimes that's how we need to be actually, but without the attitude. If my 20 something year old said to me though, oh, you know, I'm just a child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. I might question the motive in saying that, like maybe we need, there's something deeper going on here. But if somebody comes to us, like our children, even as young adults, if they come to us and ask for help and ask for wisdom, I'm blessed. I'm glad to see that they're seeking that out. And in the thing about Solomon was he humbled himself. When the Lord asked him what he wanted, he humbled himself. And the Bible says in Matthew that we need to be humble. We need to be like children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I, I want to be that way. I want to seek wisdom. I want to seek those around me. And Solomon asked for, he, he didn't ask for wealth. You know, money is not everything, but it sure helps. And it keeps the kids in touch, as we've heard sometimes somebody said that, one time somebody said that to us. And he didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask to be forever 21. He didn't ask for, you know, something that would preserve him. He asked for wisdom. He didn't even ask for his enemies to be dealt with and killed. And, you know, sometimes enemies in our lives can be things not because we've done anything wrong, just anything that comes against whatever the destiny of God is on our lives can be an enemy. And we need the Lord's wisdom to know how to deal with what we're facing, either in our family, in our job, raising our children, with our marriages, all these different things. We need wisdom. You know, Solomon was about to enter into a building program. Do you think he needed wisdom for that? I think everyone around him was grateful he asked for wisdom. So the Lord blessed Solomon because he was pleased with his request for wisdom instead of all the other things he could have asked for. And so because of that, God gave him those other things. And as young people, as parents, as bosses, as employees, as church, church members, as church leaders, we need wisdom. As citizens, we need wisdom. And so if you're in the need of wisdom today, if you feel overwhelmed, if you're feeling a little lost in whatever it is God is calling you to do, ask for wisdom because he gives generously. God bless you. My wife is married to me, so she needs wisdom on a, on a daily basis, let me tell you. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey. Uh, this man right here uh, in the blue, uh, is that a golf shirt? Yes. Hallelujah. Leadership, I want to develop you even more. I want to strengthen you even more. I want you to be even to take on things that you never thought you could do. The Lord comes and says, 
I'm going to start to bring things into your life that may cost you something in your time, may cost you something in your, in, in your flexibility, but there's leadership upon your life, and there's things that I want to develop in you even more. You're going to come to a place in the next five to ten years where you're going to understand things like you never understood them before. Uh, Paul Johansson gives an illustration of the Jesus' first miracle of the wedding uh, where the water is turned into wine. He, he says the, the people enjoyed the wine, but the disciples saw the miracle. That's how you figure things out. You get in there, you lead, and all of a sudden, you grow in knowledge. And God wants to grow you in knowledge and grow you in strength and grow you in understanding. And do, do not say, I don't know if I can do it. The Lord will help you. He'll bring you into it. Amen. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the prophetic. And uh, if you have a Bible, uh, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hallelujah. I grew up in the prophetic. I'm third generation. My, uh, my grandfather was a pastor. My grandfather, uh, McNeil, um, sheesh, I just saw my wife back there. I go, wow, she got transported all of a sudden. I'm going, wow, she's so anointed. Oh, my goodness. I mean, she's got the goods. But my grandfather was an alcoholic and uh, would drink. That was his thing. And he, he was in Ireland where I was born. I emigrated when I was four. I don't have an accent. That's why. But my grandfather, McNeil, uh, uh, went into a little church, got saved, and got totally set free. And he became the leader of that little assembly, uh, that little church in Ireland. Be, well, they didn't pay pastors in those days. It was just a little group. And uh, then my father and him came into the Latter-day Reign, and, uh, uh, and then uh, he became a pastor, and then my dad pastored, so I'm third generation. But uh, So this kind of stuff for me, uh, this some might be new to some of you, so I just want to lay a little foundation in the next 10 minutes that I have. Amen. Uh, it's a little more than 10 minutes. I'm watching it. First um, Corinthians 12, starting in verse 28, uh, we'll have somebody see. You can keep the verses up. We'll follow it one way or another. Uh, but it says, and, the, and in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, thirds, teachers, then workers of miracles. Also, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others with gifts of administrations. Are all apostles, verse 29, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, uh, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the, the greater gifts. Now, I want you to see something here. God builds this church on the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, point, you are the man, evangelism, you can use your fingers, pastor, teacher, because pastor, teacher, I'm moving really quick, so just bear with me. Pastor, preacher, uh, pastor, teacher go hand in hand. How do you be a pastor without being able to teach the word? In fact, and I heard one Greek scholar say it's not really a fivefold, it's a fourfold, because when you look at the Greek, those two are one, pastor, teacher, together. And so that's how God builds his church. You have people who are apostles, they establish, they build things, they have people who are prophets, thou art the man the Lord hears. And, uh, and then, but then this is the verse that I want you to see here, but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? We come into it here uh, in uh, uh, chapter 13. The most excellent way is love. Every gift, no matter what you do in the local church or beyond, has to be established in love. I say to people, I don't care about your gift. Show me your love. Show me your forbearance. Show me your patience. Show me your gentleness. Show me your long-suffering. Show me love. Because Paul, you know, because he gets into it here in 1 Corinthians, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Empty, 
You know, we read this at weddings. But what Paul is really talking about here is the gifts of the Spirit. He's talking about how you move among people. Well, you should see my gift. I say to, I say to myself, and this is just me now, I say, I don't, I don't care about your gift. Show me your love. I've been pastoring for 29 years. I've had some really gifted people come in. Let me tell you something. What I'm more impressed with is not how strong you are in your gift, but how you treat people. Your character, your integrity. I, don't care. I just go, that's great. Be here three years and serve. Water the flowers. Can you water the flowers for me? That's what I really need. People come in there, oh, you should see my gift. I'm going, yeah. Now, I'm being very general here when I say people come in. But it happens. Maybe not here, but it happens with me. Show me your love. And these are good things for a wedding. You know, uh, love is patient and all that. But at the end of the day, um, it's not talking about a wedding. It's talking about how you move in life. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have truth, uh, I have a faith that can move mountains and have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Listen to that. These are pretty powerful things. I give all my possess to the poor, but have not love, I have nothing. And then it gets into this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. I want you to see here. I do this in anybody that I do premarital counseling with. I say, I want you to see something here. There's no emotion in this. Love is patient. That's, love is kind. These are behavioral. So now we've moved into a marriage conference here. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I say to people, when you show your love to your spouse, it's not just emotion. It's how you behave. And it's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. They should always be rooted in love. I say to people, prophecy is not weird. People are weird. It's true. And, and uh, you know, so sometimes we just don't want anything to do with it because people are weird. I know pastors who they do not want it in their church because there's been some coups that have been attempted sometimes with prophecy. Going on to chapter 14. Let's do the verse before and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Then it goes on, chapter 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now listen to this here. I didn't write it. Especially the gift of prophecy. We cannot throw prophecy out. Even when it gets weird, even when we don't understand it. Let me tell you something. Your walk with God is more than just natural. It's supernatural. And we can't just live with Father, Son. We have to have the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, you know, I remember the first time I heard a song that said, I worship you, Father. That's great. I worship you, Son. That's great. And then when it said, I worship you, Holy Spirit, I went, okay, well, the Holy Spirit's kind of like, you know, now this is me. This is decades ago. I figured it out since then. Now, you, you know, the Holy Spirit is the Holy. How do you, what? You, that, that's not really, wait a minute, that's part of the Godhead. 
So I want the Father-Son, not quite sure about the Holy Spirit thing, but it's part of the Trinity, and we need it all. I don't want to just live on Father, Son. I thank you for his love, his fatherhood. I thank you for the forgiveness of my sin. Thank you, God, for that. But I need, I need power <laughs> to live life. And words have power. When God created, he just didn't think it. He spoke it. And words, incur they have power to change us to encourage us, to build us up. Now, prophecy cannot, my personal opinion, cannot put a destiny in your life that God already hasn't put in there. They cannot put a gift in your life that God already hasn't designed. But what they can do is speak, re release to that gift and encourage you to step out in that gift. Motivated by love. Well, some people, they get really funny about prophecy. Like, you know, they'll say, well, what about in the Old Testament? They want to be one of those hellfire and brimstone prophets. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not against that. I, I think there's parts in that that are, that are, that are true. But when, when, you, when you go on here into verse 4, and I'm moving at lightning speed, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Um, uh, oh, sorry, verse 3. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for what? Destroy them, you heathen. You need to repent. And I'm not saying there aren't times for that. But can I say something to you? People already know they need to repent. <laughs> I don't need anybody to tell me. I mean, I got four daughters. They'll tell me when I'm wrong. I said to my father-in-law, Bernard, one time, Bernard Evans, I said, do you ever worry about me? He goes, no way. With all the women in your life, you're not going very far, buddy. They keep you in line. <laughs> I call my wife Bernadette sometimes. Anyhow, moving along. Uh, <clears throat> oh, boy, I, I got to go home today. <laughs> but everyone who speaks to men speaks for their strengthening, comfort, and encouragement. And, I, and they'll say, well, what about the whole thing of correcting and things like that? Listen, you let God take care of that. You be motivated in love. Strengthen them and encourage them and build them up. That's what the prophetic should be. So you come in on a Sunday morning and, and uh, worship starts. And the word that comes forth should be one, if there is one that comes forth, that says, for the Lord is here to bless you. Oh, that's too simple. Can I tell you something? There have been times in my life that's all I need to hear. I brought a prophetic word over a girl one time, and all the Lord said to tell her was this, that I love her, that the Lord loves her. And I thought, and he knows where you are, right? So I bring this word. She comes up to me in tears, and I go, I only said two sentences. She goes, yeah, but I've, I've been in multiple servants, services and never had a prophetic word. I didn't know if he loved me. Let me tell you something. The Lord sees you. You might not get a word today, but you latch on to some that come. The Lord loves you, and he knows who you are. He sees you. And this is, he was speaking to Hagar. Hagar, who had become... Uh, had a child with Abraham, I believe. Abraham, my Bible history here. Sarah went to him and said, hey, we're not having any children. Lay with my maidservant here. She gets pregnant. Now Sarah's mad. <laughs> Sounds like life a little bit, doesn't it? Now Sarah's mad. And then now, and Hagar is kind of lording it over. So she runs away. And the Lord comes to her and says, go back and submit. Oh, my gosh. 
But this is what really hit her. It wasn't the strength of that word, which was go back and submit. It was that I am seen and the Lord sees me. God sees you. And here was a woman that was in questionable circumstances, to say the least. Let me tell you something. Wherever you are, God sees you right now. God sees you in your marriage. God sees you with that child you're carrying and worried about. God sees you. And it's not that you, you're going to say, well, I, I, I pro it's probably the judgment of God, and he's coming after me and all that stuff. Let me tell you something. God saw Hagar, and he didn't leave her or abandon her. No matter what you're in or what you're doing, God sees you. And he can restore and rebuild even what the locust has devoured. God is in the business of redeeming, not destroying. And so don't let the lie of the enemy destroy you that says you're unworthy and God can't redeem your life. God can restore and rebuild in anybody's life. He's the God that takes the foolish things of the world, you, to confound the wise, me. God sees. And so it should be strengthening, encouraging, and comforting overall. And you can say, well, what about when things need to be dealt with? Watching the time. Good. Is that 38? Oh. So I'll tell you a little story real quick. I was in Mexico, first time in Mexico ministering in a church that was a cave. It was concrete, and the sound bounced everywhere. My ears were almost bleeding. And uh, there was like two or 300 uh, local leaders and pastors. It was down uh, in, I uh, can't think of the town. Anyhow. So this is my first time there, and I, I come up, and Phil's here to prophesy with people. Oh, God, they're in trouble. That's what I said. So uh, they bring up this young lady, maybe 21, and uh, she comes up, and the Lord speaks to my heart, and I'm nervous. You know, are they going to carry the gringo out? You know what I mean? I mean, uh, you know. And uh, so it's my first time, and this girl comes up, and she's standing there, and the Lord speaks to my heart. Tell her that I've got a godly husband for her a godly young man, tell her that he's going to love the Lord, study the word, he's going to be faithful in the local church. Tell her, tell her all that. And I'm going, can't lose on that, right? I can give that word. I'm not telling her she's going to H-E double toothpicks in a handbasket. You know what I'm saying? So this girl comes up and again, the Lord loves you, and he wants you to know that he has a, a, a godly young man for you, a man who will love the Lord, study the word, and will be involved in the local church and be a blessing to you. All of a sudden, she drops to the ground and starts this guttural cry, like, I didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like I, I, you all heard the word, right? I mean, you, you can't lose on this one. You know, I, you know? I know none of you feel this way about things, but I'm a little human at times, you know? And so I'm like, somebody pick her up, you know? But they take her off into the back room. You could hear her crying for another 10 minutes. Turns out, I was talking to the youth pastor afterwards. They had just counseled her this week. She was dating an unbeliever. He wouldn't come to church. He would drop her at the door, pick her up afterwards, and wanted nothing to do with God. What was my motivation? Love. Listen, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy. God knows how to deal, because he knows me. There is no way I'm telling that girl, even if he said to me, she's dating an unbeliever, and tell her to break up with him, I'm going, you got the wrong man right here, God. And I'm telling you right now, this is my, yeah. God knows how to deal with it. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest joys in my life is the fact that my wife knows Jesus.
Now, you, you might not be in that situation. I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you, God can move. But if there's someone here that's a young person or you do not want to marry an unbeliever, I'm sorry, I don't care how great he is. I don't care how muscular he is. I don't care what kind of car he drives. I don't care what he's got going on because I have pastored for decades. And when, it, when it's an unequal yoke, oh, he's cute. So what? Cuteness wears off. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want a man that can love the Lord because how he loves God is how he will love you. I'm telling you. If he's selfish and independent, wants nothing to do with God. Now, I don't, he doesn't have to sing like the angels or prophesy or dance or preach. All he's got to do is love Jesus. That's all. He doesn't have to have all these gifts. He doesn't, listen, if he's faithful, works a regular job. And my girls say it to me all the time. Dad, all he has to do is have a job and then Jesus. I said, could we change the order on that? Jesus and then a job. <clears throat> I love my girls. They're killers. Some, 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 I mean, I don't like being their father and trying to lead them sometimes. Brats. I said, <laughs> you, know, you know I love them, right? I really do. But, uh, you know, some guy will come along. This is what I used to tell them when I was a kid, when they were kids. I used to say, um, someday some guy, this, I told them this sometime they were little kids. Got little kids, start doing this. I said, someday some guy's going to come along. And his name is going to be Biff. And Biff's going to have muscles, five bucks in his pocket, and a nice car, and he'll know you for a month, and all of a sudden, Biff knows everything, and I know nothing. I housed you, clothed you, fed you, took care of you, held you when you were crying, heard your heart, prayed for you when your heart was broken, but all of a sudden now, Biff, oh, he's got it all going on. I started that when they were five years old. This is what they say to me, Dad. Nobody calls their kid Biff. What are you talking about right now? They used to call him Biff Muscles. <laughs> Listen to me. A uh, couple things as we go through the chapter here, because now I really got to move. Hallelujah. You're probably going, thanks for that Biff story. Not sure if I needed that. Anyhow, <clears throat> in this chapter, there's a few things that are important that I want to touch on, and then I'm going to finish. Um, some people uh, have said that, you know, tongues are not for a Sunday morning service. And um, they use this chapter, I'd rather speak five intelligible words. But if you read the chapter, what's really going on, I'm going to be quick here. What's really going on is 1 Corinthians 12 talks about tongues and interpretation. And what was going on is there were tongues above the congregation coming out and nobody was interpreting. So one person pop out in a tongue, another person pop out in a tongue, not praying in the spirit, you know, just as a group, but above the congregation, and no one was interpreting. And so Paul's right, and he said, look, I try, this, this has got to stop, because what it was was pride. My tongue is better than your tongue. My tongue is better than yours. And I know for some of you are going, what's he talking about? But some of you stay with me here. And so Paul's addressing when he says, I'd rather speak five intelligible words, because a tongue above the congregation without an interpretation into the language but what does it really edify except you? And so Paul is saying, I'd rather speak five intelligible words. And so you know he's not really saying to get rid of it because um, uh, he says even um, in the chapter, he says, uh, when you come together, bring a psalm, a hymn, a teaching, an exhortation, and a tongue and interpretation. 
And then he goes on in verse 27, he says, judge the, 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 the prophecy. And then at the end of the chapter, he says this, um, uh, therefore, my brother, speak to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. He says it right there. So if you hear this, well, you know, it's not really for Sunday morning. Uh, that's not what Paul is saying there. He's saying, it is for Sunday morning. It is for your life. It's not something to be buried. It's something to be celebrated. Uh, and, and the other thing I want to touch really quick is this. Um, uh, uh, verse 37. So here's what happens. Oh, boy. Here's what happens. Um, someone comes in, they call themselves a prophet, and all of a sudden they start coming against the vision of the pastor and the elders. Let me tell you something. Paul here says that's not the way to go because he's brought correction, and he says this in verse 37. If anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves will be ignored. I don't... In the local church, anything I say, I submit to the elders. These are the... You know, I say to my congregation, and every brick is my blood and the elders. I, it's heartbreaking to me when someone who's given decades of their life to a local church as a pastor or as elders or as a leadership team, someone comes in as a prophet and speaks something to the congregation that flies against the vision of the pastor and the elders or undermines the pastor and the elders because they call themselves a prophet. Paul, Paul brought correction, and he said, listen, if anyone doesn't hear what I'm saying here, they are to be ignored. I want to give you, and I don't want to use this word, so I won't use the word vaccine. I'll use the word inoculation. <laughs> too soon, right? It's just a little too soon, isn't it? I want to inoculate you. You have leadership here in the pastor and the elders. If someone rises up and says they're a prophet that comes against the pastor and the elders, Paul says, not Bill McNeil, they are to be ignored. They are to be ignored. And so there's order in the whole prophetic. Total order. But the problem is, this is a Phil McNeil. The prophetic is not weird. People are weird. And people are unsubmitted. Well, I'm a prophet. Well, we're happy for you. And we'll buy you a T-shirt, and we'll put profit on it. <laughs> no, really. I mean, I'm, I'm not dishonoring the office. I know people who are prophets. Paul Johansson says something to me. I'm like, I, I respect him. But he's got decades of proven ministry. <laughs> you know, don't tell me your gift of the Spirit. Show me the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering. It's both. Show me you can submit to leadership. Show me you've been faithful for more than two years. Well, I'm a prophet. Well, we, we're happy. We really want your gift. There's flowers out there that need watering. We're wondering if you can help with that. <laughs> I just talked to a pastor. He's got a great guy in his church, but he won't make coffee for people coming in. <laughs> no, he's a pastor. <laughs> You can't make it up. You can't make it up. Make the coffee. Oh, sorry. Here we go. That was a little strong. Make the coffee. Show me your servant's heart. Show me the fruit. 
and then I'll receive your gift. Amen? Hallelujah. Real quick. God's going to start developing you even more. There's a call in your life and you've wondered, but do not, do not despise the day of small beginnings because the Lord comes and says, what I've got for you in the years ahead, I'm laying a foundation in your life, in your personal life, and also in what I've got for you as far as serving in the, in the kingdom and the local church. Do not think that there's anything that I've asked you to do that has been difficult even that I won't bear fruit from it. Listen to me. I'm going to bear fruit in your life. And I'm, I'm, I'm training you in ways that you don't even know. And you're already trained in a lot of ways. But there are things that I'm working on and, 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 and trimming and rounding off for what I've got for you. And I have a lot for you, saith the Lord. And do not think even in the times uh, where you have done even the small things that I have not seen. But I come to you and I say, I've got even more for you. And as you continue to be faithful day in, day out, do not use your schedule. My schedule is perfect. And I know where I'm bringing you and what I have for you. I'm telling you, my hand is upon your life. Be encouraged this day. And I'm going to do, this young, this man here, uh, I'm going to do more in your life than you thought. And I'm going to take even those things that have been broken, those things that have even uh, been a ruin or a challenge, and I'm going to renew and bring forth life. I am the God who brings forth life out of dead places. And I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I'm going to, as at times, uh, 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 squeeze you in and squeeze you to bring out things that need to come out. But I'm telling you right now, I'm also going to give you increase in blessing because I am the God who restores and rebuilds and renews and moves you forward. And even do not look back and do not look to the past lest you turn to salt. Look forward because... the. the uh, a car has a big window and a small rear view mirror. And people sometimes spend all their time looking at the rear view. And I'm coming to you and I'm saying, look forward. And you don't even know the things that I'm doing today, giving you today. If you look rear view, you can't see what I'm doing today. Look forward. And it's not that there aren't things that you need to learn and, and grow from those things in the past. But I'm saying to you, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Don't choke on the bones. Don't let those things choke you. It's not that there aren't things to learn and grow, and, and, and there, there weren't, maybe there were things, there were things you could have done better, but at the end of the day, God is saying to you, I am able to rebuild and restore, and I'm able, even able to help you uh, to make restitution or restore anything that needs to be done. For the Lord is with you as you look to him, and he's able to help you to give you a hope and a future. I am a strengthening God, and I will strengthen you and help you for the task at hand. Amen. Bless the Lord. <laughs> God sees the day-to-day, -day, and he comes to you, and he says, there is great reward in the day-to-day. -day. And you are plowing day by day, but the Lord comes and says, I am going to give you good things. And the Lord comes and says, it's not about the abundance, it's the sweetness of what you have. And the Lord comes and says, I'm going to give you sweetness for the little things, the steadfast things, the good things. And you are doing better than you know. The Lord comes and says, you're doing better than you know. You're winning more than you know. And the Lord comes and says, I will give you the desire of your heart. But here's what's the crazy thing with me, Phil McNeil. Sometimes I don't even realize I'm in the middle of the desire of my heart. 
<laughs> I'm going, uh, but I'm in the middle of the desire of my heart. But I just, I hear the word, a concentration of sweetness. It doesn't have to be abundant. It's a concentration of sweetness. Some things you want, sometimes you want the big, but big things get diluted. They don't taste as sweet. Sometimes it's the little things that give the greatest sweetness. So know the Lord is with you. Keep plowing, keep being faithful. His hand is upon you. Amen. Hallelujah. It is required of a servant that they be found faithful. And the Lord comes to you and says, as you continue to be faithful, do not think that in any way he will not move on your behalf. For sometimes we sit and we wonder about the future. What's this? What's that? How's this going to happen? The Lord comes to you and says, I have your future in my hands. I have my future in my hands. And listen to this. I am no person's debtor. I don't, I'm the kind of person, if somebody gives me five bucks, you know, I didn't have money, I buy a coffee, it wears me out making sure I get that five bucks back to them. It's ridiculous the way I am. But if that's me, how much more when God says I'm no man's debtor? Do not think the things that you've spent in your life or your time for the kingdom and the purposes of God will go unrewarded. Hallelujah. Bible says if you, uh, anyone who gives up houses and lands in this life, I will give back to them in the life coming. But I believe there's a little part in there that says, even in this life. Let me tell you something. Everything is not everything that the world says it is. No, no. You, and you know what I say to the Lord? When I give, when I tithe, when I honor the Lord, I say to the Lord, bless my marriage. Bless my children. I believe in the principle of sowing and reaping. The Bible says, given it shall be given unto you. But there are things, and I like to be blessed. Who doesn't? But there are things that money cannot buy. My marriage, my children. I'm telling you right now, I say to the Lord, I like my little convertible, but if I have to do without my convertible for my child to be blessed, bless me that way for my life to be blessed. And God says, you've sown those things, and he is no person's debtor, and he will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He sees. He sees. He sees you, and he knows the plans he has for you. Amen. Hallelujah. If you liked what I said, my name is Phil McNeil. If not, it's Chris Lonneville. I just want you to know that. And uh, any heresy Chris taught me, Pastor Chris, he taught me that. Bless y'all. It's so good to see you two doing. I just want to say I'm done. To see you two doing it. I mean, I was just sitting up there. The anointing. It's just, you're doing it. It warms my heart. <laughs> I saw little April running around campus and know her parents. Rick Shaw's okay. Tell him I said that. Tell him I said that. No, I, I love Rick. You can't beat Rick Shaw. Rick will sit and talk to you. I love it. He comes to my piano, talks to me for an hour, 15 minutes doing it. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Godly heritage from both of you. You have generational wealth that this world cannot buy. Your parents moved to Elam from a great position. They sacrificed. And I remember seeing their little apartment. They left a position in Ohio. He was tuning pianos, making money, working in a church. I remember when they went to Elam and moved into that little apartment. I'll never forget it. And then one time, I was supposed to go over there for dinner, right? And something came up, and I couldn't make it, and your mom was upset with me. So they, they had a chicken they cooked. They took all the meat out of it, brought the bones over, and put it in front of my door. 
you're, Kimberly is a killer, let me tell you. He's like, don't mess with Kimberly. That's all I got to say. I love that. Bless you all. Have a great day. Amen. So you might be kind of wondering, why would I pick to bring someone in to speak on the prophetic? Why specifically would I do that? Um, just this weekend, Jocelyn and I were watching some basketball like highlight mixtapes on YouTube. Don't know why, but we were. And uh, there was this one guy who came up, and this guy was really amazing, but he only had one arm. He's like literally playing basketball with one arm. And because of that, he was limited in what he could do. Like he was better than I am, but he could never compete on a higher level because he was so limited. The body, in the body of Christ, God gives each one of us gifts. And when each one of us are not using the gift that God has given us, we will never be able to operate at full capacity and complete the mission that he's given us to do. So we need each one of you doing our part. There's no spectators in this game. That's not how the body of Christ works. We're not just sitting. Other people get up and do their thing, and we just sit and receive. No, we are all in this together to do what God had called us to do. So I wanted us to to hear about prophecy, to understand that is not a gift that we are leaving behind. It's not something that we don't want. We want every gift that God has given us on full display. Amen. Lord, I pray for each person who's here this morning, um, each person who's got different stuff going on in their life. And Lord, I ask that this morning they would have been encouraged. Um, those people that received words, Lord, I ask that each one of those things would come to pass, that people would grab those words and pick them up and run with them. And for each thing going on in each person's life, um, Lord, I ask you to show up and I ask you to speak to them and help us to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to function in the body of Christ the way that you designed us to function. I ask you to bless each person as they go from this place today. In your name I pray. Amen. Be blessed. Have an awesome week.